Welcome to our Saturday simulcast brought to you by the Union Club Hotel, joined by Brian Newbert and Tom Dienard. I'm Alan Karpik, and we are uh, every other week, typically this time of year, though there's still, uh, it's June, the comp team competition for all Purdue sports has kind of come to an end, but it's gotten into uh, obviously a busy month in football recruiting. Basketball has started practice. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you just on uh, you had a chance to talk to Matt Painter a couple of days ago, uh, I think on Wednesday of this week, or was it Thursday? I'm losing all my days getting running together here a little bit, but uh, just initial impressions uh, of what the, the coach had to say in the first day of basketball practice uh, uh, for, for Matt Painter and company. Well, there's really not a whole lot to talk about, and that's probably a good thing because you, uh, you return your team pretty much intact. Uh, one of the big you know, uh, I don't want to say questions, but one of the big unknowns is Miles Colvin, who I think has a chance to be a really high impact uh, freshman for Purdue, and they'll give him every opportunity to be. He's not there. He's yeah. uh, still out in Colorado Springs. He just made the uh, USA basketball 19 and under World Cup team. So he's going to be, he's going to miss a lot of the summer uh, with Purdue, which is kind of a double-edged sword, but obviously a great honor for him to to, to make that USA basketball team. Uh, other than that, uh, I think, you know, um, Purdue's not going to, you know, quote unquote, reinvent the wheel here uh, with a team that won 29 games last year, won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament. Um, but I think there'll be some modest tweaking over time. I think the first day of practice for Purdue is always about defense uh, and all that stuff. I think as time goes by, bleh, as time goes on, I think they will look at their personnel and what they are what improvements guys have made in terms of what they can do offensively and perhaps tweak some things along those lines as they go on. But, you know, really it's like the first day of summer practice was like the last day of last season's practice, because you're pretty much uh, you're pretty much the same team, if not better, uh, because I think Lance Jones makes you gives you something you didn't have before and I think all of these guys are going to get better and better together uh, with experience. Yeah, and one quick follow-up to that. Miles Colvin, obviously really talented guy. One thing that's always good in the summer, you talk about the double-edged sword part, is is learning defense. And it's something that any, yes. any freshman coming into Purdue – uh needs to learn what the expectations are is that gonna that's something that, that maybe that's the negative side of him if there is such a thing of him being on the u19 teams he's having the ability to assimilate to that he'll get a chance obviously to go to europe but talk, talk about that a little bit yeah well i mean he's he is getting coached out there with usa basketball too so yeah. it's not like he's just out there playing pickup games uh you know he you know, Tad Boyle and Mike Mike Boynton out there will be uh, the best coaches he's ever been around. And then when he gets to Purdue, obviously, it'll be the most labor-intensive, uh, hands-on, and good, for lack of a better term, coaching that he's ever had in his life, obviously. And uh, how he responds to that is going to go a long way to uh, determining how successful he can be right away. Uh, you know, he's the only freshman. Um, so go back a few years ago when Carson Edwards was the only freshman on the team or the only scholarship freshman, all due respect to Tommy Luce. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they always said that he was the guy getting yelled at 
more than anyone else because he was the only guy out there who didn't know what he was doing because he was the yeah. only guy who wasn't there the, the season before. And that's going to be Miles Coleman's case here. Uh, Lance Jones, obviously, is a newcomer, but he's got four years of college basketball experience under right. his belt. Uh, when Miles Colvin does show up on campus, he's going to be weeks behind everybody else uh, at Purdue. Again, this is a great honor for him. You, you, you don't, these things don't just happen for people. They're earned for people. They're unbelievable honors. Uh, and they make you better. They made Jaden Ivey better. They made, you know, Travion Williams better. Every Purdue guy who's gotten a chance to do something like this has gotten better because of it. Um, but it's a different kind of better. Uh, I think, you know, Miles Coleman's understanding of Purdue's system and what you know Purdue's going to demand of him uh, is going to be a different thing, a different animal from what USA Basketball is going to coach him to do. Uh, Tom's leaving. Uh, <laughs> my answer has <laughs> been too long. Um, yeah, it's uh, but it it is going to be a great experience for for Miles Coleman, but he's going to have to he's going to have to listen double time when he gets back to Purdue. The good news is he'll get to play some games uh, with Purdue before he ever plays a real college game uh, with Purdue because of the overseas trip. Yeah, that and that'll happen at, at the end of August. All right, Tom, you obviously had a chance to go to, to team camp this week. Watch Ryan Walters run a practice. Uh, Purdue got also got a, a big, big football commitment since we've talked last. Uh, a couple other guys that have come in and bring us a little bit up to date. First, I, I what your impressions getting to watch uh, Ryan Walters a little bit more in action now over this month. Uh, what's been your impression of how he handles himself in those types of situations? I know it's going to be different when teams and when he's in front of his team, but uh, a chance to see that as well. Yeah, you know, uh, anybody who's gotten a glimpse of Coach Walters knows he's got an engaging personality. And um, just, just a real quick anecdote, just to sort of draw a contrast between, I think, this staff and Ryan Walters and the previous staff. And, and don't take this wrong. You, you can win football games, Coach, in a lot of different ways. It's different styles. You know, at, at one camp this week, Ryan Walters – He's got a golf cart he goes around in. He's got a boot on one of his legs. He's, he's had some surgery, so he's not mobile. But he's on his cart driving around. And at one point, you look over, and there's, there's a, a mob of, of his players around him. And they're all just laughing, sharing each other's cell phones, showing each other what's on their phone, and just, just kind of like enjoying the moment there, um, almost as peers. And I don't think that's something you would have seen in the past. Um, uh, Jeff Brown was more, I, I thought more of always an arm's length coach, um, where Ryan Walters is almost walks among his, 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 his soldiers, if you will. So that, that sort of in one way caps encapsulized, you know, Ryan Walters as a, as a real ultra players coach, I guess, and hands-on too, you know, I've heard recruits remark to me that at one point during, uh, these camps, and one of them, the safeties coach, Grant O'Brien, wasn't there. Coach Walters is out there running the safeties, you know, taking them through their paces and whatnot. So he's obviously not far removed from being an assistant coach. So that's not that form. But um, yeah. I was going to dive right in with, with enthusiasm, of course, too. And that, that, that sort of goes for the entire staff. It's a young staff for the most part and a lot of energy there. And uh, again, I've seen that watching these camps the last couple of weeks or so. So, um, yeah, again, they, they seem to be good instructors. I mean, the proof will be in the pudding once we get to the fall, but you know, everything's roses right now. And 
They've got a little bit of recruiting momentum. They're trying to put together a nice class here, secure some more commitments this month. And before we know it, guys, we're going to look up. It'll be August 1st, and they'll be out there going through training camp. Yeah. When you talk, obviously, June is always a big month. And Brian and, and Tom both uh, uh, want to view just and how different it is, though, and than it was even two years ago when you're looking at uh, – Yes, Purdue has, what, eight or nine commitments, may expect some more, but uh, I'll go back to you, Brian, just the world of recruiting and 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 how, you know, yes, they may get five or six more, but Tom has talked about that some, but uh, uh, still, uh, it's an ever-changing ever landscape, is it not, uh, down the stretch? What do you expect? Yeah, especially nowadays. Uh, you know, it was a few years back that June kind of became the new December slash January, right. and uh now it puts an onus on not just your ability to get those guys early, but to hold on to them. And in mm -hmm. the, the transfer era and, uh, you know, uh, some of the other things going on with recruiting, you have to uh, <coughs> really know who you want early. Um, and then you got to really keep working and to hold on to them. Um, it just feels like everybody's just trading players nowadays. Like everybody's mm -hmm. just, throwing every player in the, in the country into a big bin and it's kind of hungry, hungry hippos, uh, for who gets the most, uh, who gets the most players off the transfer wire. And, uh, but it still is important to recruit those high school guys to, to, to get the guys from most certain of early hang on to them and see what you have. But yeah, it's, uh, it seems so futile though. I mean, taking all these commitments so early when you, you uh a have to the challenge yeah. that's always been there in terms of holding on to them but then also not knowing how your season's going to go not knowing what you're going to need from transfers not knowing what your scholarship situation is going to look like there's just going to be more moving parts than ever before and you know football recruiting more than basketball recruiting has been defined you know, by moving parts for a very, very long time. And now I, th I think it's going to be uh, even more so. I mean, it, it's it's not even July yet. And Purdue's already lost two commitments, right? I mean, it's the, you know, the the wheel in the sky is already turning uh, to, quote, journey. Um, <laughs> it's uh, 1980, it, man. It's about, about, yeah, about it's, when you were uh, born. It, it's uh, it's, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be eventful. So, yeah. Maybe it was 1978. I don't yeah, we've got we've now. got a journey reference and a hungry hippos reference. Yeah, we're already we're already well into it here. All right, Tom, I because I, you talked about it when something you wrote this week about, uh, and I don't even know the kid that's committed to Oregon. You know, he's at Purdue's team camp. State, there, oh. yeah, or is it Oregon State or the well? No, 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 the, no. Yeah, Oregon State. Uh, was it Oregon State? But anyway, just the fact no, that I, they chatting chat him up. I, I think Brown. Alan's talking about the kid who was at team camp, and right, we're talking about the receiver. Who, Flip from yeah. Oregon State. Yeah, my question was the, the guy from Oregon that was at team camp. That uh, again, everybody, everything. Not that Purdue was trying to flip him there, but I'm just saying you talk to everybody. Anything's anything's possible anymore. Is that to strike you? Why not? Just, why, yeah. why not try to flip him there? Yeah, there's no rules. Yeah, and um, no. Again, this is a staff that had a lot of connections to this kid. Tony um, <laughs> Gray's his name from Hazelwood. Central and suburban Missouri, suburban St. Louis. Um, yeah, again, Ryan Walters obviously being in Illinois, they recruit the St. Louis area. A lot of his assistants that are on the staff now had recruited the St. Louis area, even going back to Mizzou as well. So 
they were on this kid's radar when he was young, I was told. So yeah, they're, they're hopeful. Maybe they can get the kid to take an official visit. Um, you never know, right? I mean, Brian's been doing this for years and he understands how these things can fickle and things can change. Um, you always got to shoot your shot, right? And you got him on your, you got him on your campus. And um, <clears throat> so that, that's a great opportunity to continue your sales pitch. And well, who knows, I mean, who knows in two, two years, maybe he wants to transfer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If, if I'm a place like Purdue, uh, I'm recruiting all these guys to the very end yeah. because this might not be the only chance you get to recruit them. Uh, yep. You know, there's a really good chance some of these really high-end players are available again in eight months. And yep. there's no harm in having a relationship and having had them on campus so you can hit the ground running when you get another chance to recruit them. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the things where I think a lot of the norms of recruiting um I think start to crumble. Uh is that what's I don't think in football recruiting there's been any sort of uh you know rules uh or um code so to speak that anyone's ever adhered to but i think it it just makes sense now it's good business mm -hmm. keep recruiting other people's commitments until the very end because as i said before they're all just going into a big bin uh at some point in time and uh everybody's going to be you know taking their uh share from that bin and uh it's just it's just good business to have a relationship with as many players as you can have a relationship with mm -hmm. yeah, no question on that and and i think uh, uh both coaches at least men's basketball matt painter and, and ryan walters have those personalities of at least what we've seen of walters do that matt painter is always uh, you never want to burn a bridge and, and a guy and even more i know purdue hasn't taken a lot of transfers in basketball but how you know who knows how long how that how that can change over time. All right, another another uh, commitment this or not a commitment a offer this week and maybe Brian a little bit talk. You had team camp this week, but also uh, Trent Burns was he wrote a little bit surprising in terms of a, a guy that they offered for twenty twenty four, right? And talk about that, but also anything that you saw in your team camp uh, visit this week uh, in terms of the guys that showed up in Mackey Arena this week. Uh. Yeah, well, I, there really wasn't a whole lot at the camp yesterday. Jack Benner yeah. Uh, yeah. was there. Um, I've seen him play a thousand times. Yeah. I didn't see anything different this time uh, than I had before. He's a little bit, he's been a little bit streaky shooting the ball um, this mm. spring and summer uh, thus far. And uh, he, he's a really good shooter. He just hasn't been, hasn't been making shots, uh, but he's a really good all around offensive player too. So I think there's much more value there beyond just his, his jump shot. And, but when he's making shots, he's, he's, he, uh, he, he drove that junior all-stars win uh, over the Indiana all-stars in that exhibition game a couple weeks ago with a second half outburst uh, of shooting, unlike anything uh, I've seen since Fletcher lawyer, albeit that was like 18 months ago. So that's yeah. not, um, that's not all that long ago, but he, he definitely is capable. Um, what was the other part you asked me about? Oh, Trent Burns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Purdue is going to be in the market here for its next center uh, before long. You still don't know what you have in, in Wilberg. He, he's got to get healthy first and foremost. 
Um, I think you need another big guy. I think they recruited Raleigh Burgess as a, as a forward more than a center. Right. Uh, although I, I think the way college basketball goes, those big forwards have a funny way of winding up as centers. Um, but I think that uh, between 2024 and 2025, you have the flexibility to get one in either one of those classes. Now, the scholarship numbers are a little bit uh, restrictive here, but, you know, as we know in recruiting nowadays, numbers are but a figment of our imagination. They don't yeah. matter. Uh, stuff figures itself out. Um, but uh, I think they saw that, I think they found a player that they still haven't seen in person uh, who really impressed them. And, you know, what the hell? I think this is a guy who, you know, nobody's really gotten a really good look at yet. And you see what happened yesterday. He got offered by Purdue. And then all of a sudden he gets offers from Missouri and somebody else. And he already had like Nebraska, Texas A&M and, and uh, somebody else. So things are just starting for him. So just because Purdue offered him sort of at the tail end of this long recruiting process with the 2024 class, that doesn't mean he's anywhere near a decision, I wouldn't think. He's he's going to officially visit Purdue here uh, next week. Um, but then he's going to play July. And once people once people get a look at him, you know, the possibility exists that he could get a bunch of offers in a very short period of time because he's now on people's radar. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Jeff Brom always used to think that when he offered a quarterback early, everybody's going to offer that quarterback, just just kind of piggybacking him uh, because he's he fancied himself as a as a really, really advanced recruiter of quarterbacks. Uh, and I don't mean that, you know, smugly. Uh, but I, I think, you know, Purdue's reputation with seven footers, I think when a seven footer gets offered by Purdue, I think all of a sudden now he's 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 a household name to a lot of people and people are going to take a really close look at him. And I'd imagine there's going to be a number of people at his first game in July in the at the peach jam. And uh, this could just be beginning, you know, for, for all we know uh, at this time, a month from now, this kid could have 25 offers or something like that. That's just the nature of, of hysterical uh, domino recruiting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I always said if Jade Nivey hadn't committed, to Purdue a couple days before his first EYBL event with his Indy Heat team, he'd have 30 offers off that yeah. first. That's probably overstatement. He'd have at least 10 more offers after that first weekend. Purdue was extremely, I don't want to say fortunate because obviously they recruited the hell out of the kid for a year and that's why he chose Purdue. But if that hadn't happened, things would have gotten things could have gotten really complicated in a very short period of time with all the offers he'd have gotten when people actually saw him. Yeah. And that, uh, that, uh, is, uh, a, again, uh, a little bit of Purdue's MO and Purdue and, and the landscape of being able to get in early and, and get guys, uh, get guys in and, and do your job on the front end. All right, Tom, I want to the last part we'll hit on. Obviously there's a lot, a lot of news in the last, uh, maybe 10 days, the flex schedule, the big 10, just your impressions. Obviously, Purdue will have Illinois and Indiana on the schedule each year. Interesting that some schools, Penn State being one, doesn't have anybody that's a particular is protected. Um, how did? What was your takeaway from that, and and how uh, that will 
make the landscape of, of the Big Ten football over the next, uh, starting in 2024. And then, of course, also USC coming to Purdue. We've learned yeah. that too as well. So some scheduling news, it's kind of interesting. Uh, that, that's uh, um, always a talk this time of year. Yeah, the Flex Protect Plus format, it was called. And like you alluded to, they wanted to try to protect as many rivalries as they could. Yeah. I believe they protected 11 of them overall. Like you said, Purdue's got two they will play annually, Illinois and Indiana. Penn State's got none. Yeah. And uh, I think Iowa, I want to say, has got three. So, yeah, just uh, uh, some var- some variety there as far as protected rivalries go. But uh, the other goal was to have um, every other conference opponent play each other at least twice, home and away, over a four-year period. Yeah, it's good. Cool. So semblance that. of a rotation of everybody seeing everybody on a semi-regular basis. And yeah, Alan, you talked about the California schools. Uh, that's what's really driven this. It's going to be a divisionless conference in 2024. Top two teams will go play for the Big Ten championship. Here comes UCLA and, and, and USC. USC comes to West Lafayette in 2024 for the first time since 1976. And Purdue goes to UCLA in 25. And guys, that not that 2025 schedule is the one fraught with a lot of heavy lifting. Um, you've got Ohio State and Michigan, and you've got the UCLA game. You've got Iowa and Minnesota, which are never easy. And there's also a game at Notre Dame that year, too. So um, yeah, a lot, a lot of challenges that year uh, for the Boilermakers. But a lot of excitement too. I think everybody's going to be pumped up to see these California schools hit their campus with some of their tradition. And then of course, going out to, to Los Angeles, um, just a whole new dynamic for the conference as, as it moves forward here. Yeah. Purdue, I think Brian in 2024 has the least travel mileage because of course USC comes to Purdue that changes the following year when they obviously go out to UCLA, but Brian, your take on some of this, it's just a, uh, Again, you have to look at it practically and say, not surprisingly, that Indiana and Illinois are on that, but it's probably good in some ways in terms of at least the historic view of the Big Ten that uh, Purdue can hit the ground competitively with those two schools. They've had, they've beaten Indiana far more times than they've beaten, uh, the, Indiana's beaten Purdue, and Purdue, Illinois has gone pretty much uh, 50-50 in games over the years. But, uh, Brian, any other words of wisdom on that, on the schedule and what you saw when that all came out? Yeah, you know, Purdue's advantage being the Big Ten West has lied in the fact that not only the fact Nebraska's been down, but Indiana and Illinois, if you took every Big Ten team and you said, which two do you want to be locked into every year? Um, I think from a competitive perspective, those are the two you'd want. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's an advantage there for Purdue as, as long as those are the two games you get every year. Those are two barring anything unforeseen from Indiana or Illinois, where they just take off as programs. Um, They've both had fleeting success over the years. Uh, Those are two winnable games every single year, obviously. Uh, In a a Big Ten that's getting, you know, more and more treacherous here. Um, So I I think that's a big advantage for Purdue. I'm going to be interested to see, like, what do they do with the Big Ten title game? I know they – I know – I think – Kevin Warren wanted to move it around, as was Kevin Warren's way with such events. But um, mm-hmm. is it going to stay in Indy? I know I, I've heard Detroit as a possibility. Uh, mm. 
do they want to move more to, do they want to have one out west at some point are we going to be in SoFi Stadium here in a few years yeah I don't know if that's been determined exactly what uh, what you know and obviously with the new commissioner and all that it'll be interesting to see because uh Indianapolis obviously has worked out really well from a such a perfect city for those types of that type of event. yeah but, uh, to, to, yeah that, that'd be interesting to start poking around I'm not sure if they, if they signed a long-term deal with Indianapolis when it expires or, or how their contract with Indianapolis works but yeah I, if I were to guess guys I, I would think they would move it um you know maybe I think well, why not take it to California once I mean, they, they they made a big deal when Rutgers and Maryland came to at least take that hoop tournament out there yeah. to New York and to Washington, D.C., just to show that we live in this part of the country. Right. I'm not sure if they're ever going to go back there, but they at least want to do it <laughs> once. I wouldn't be shocked if that title football title game, maybe basketball, too. They take their tournament out there. It seemed, seemed really seemed weird for basketball, maybe not basketball, but the football game, I, I can maybe see it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh uh again and 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 with the expanded playoff and the fact that the playoff is going to be played in home home stadiums you know there's all this concern about playing games in december in cold weather you know columbus ohio on december the 19th uh, is going to happen someday yeah. uh, just like the nfl does i mean it's it's kind of a silly argument the nfl plays in green bay or or wherever uh, if they it's have to be, but it's only going to be like the first round that, that are home field. Right. Right, so it's just not the, going to be there. They're going to the after that. I mean, they're going to go back to the silly bulls and let them host it. And then, would you think the NFL would farm out home playoff games to a neutral site? Yeah, think about that. There, you 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 get laughed out of the room if you suggest yeah. that the NFL, but college football thinks it's okay. It's yeah, I I think the bowl thing is I I I would sure. like to have seen it go to at least a second round to at least the final four. Uh, of football, but it uh, doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Yeah, uh, it, it is. Uh, it is going to be interesting to see of those first round games. Of course, the playoffs. That playoff system also begins in twenty four, uh, yeah. or, or or in twenty four slash January of twenty five. So uh, that will be a be an interesting thing to to watch. Behold. All right. Any last comments? Anything else? Any any uh, good movies you've seen? We had a discussion at lunch today about a what we're watching on Netflix uh, or not watching. Um, Brian, I'll give you, give you the floor. Anything, anything you want to. I was just going to say that if you guys think the football scheduling with the two West coast schools is a cluster, wait till basketball, because, you know, it, it, it's not just the having midweek games, but it's the, you know, us, if there are, you know, midweek games or there, there'll be weekend games in the mid in the midwest for those schools what do you think happens when their flight gets delayed because of snow stuff they don't have to worry about you know from their pac 12 days um it's just it, it's going to be uh, a fascinating beautiful train wreck um and <laughs> i don't envy the the people who are going to have to figure that out but as far as movies go uh I'm kind of between shows right now uh, since Succession and Barry ended, um, since the NBA ended. So uh, I don't really have a whole lot for you there. <laughs> I started White House Plumbers on HBO. Is that any uh, good? It's okay. Uh, it's interesting. Woody Harrelson. It's just, it's that I don't know if it's necessarily kept my attention the way uh, I kind of need a show to. I'm kind of a spaz. 
Um, <laughs> I kind of uh, have the attention span of a gnat. And if you don't catch me right away, uh, you oftentimes don't get a second or third chance. So um, I watched the first two or three. Uh, we'll see if I end up finishing it or not. But uh, that's what I got for you there. Tom, you you are a berry watcher of which I haven't watched yeah. that yet. Uh, but uh, any other any other ones that uh, you mentioned? Some other ones, Jury Duty. Yeah, me and me and Brian were big berry people, big no no ho Hank fans, and uh, yeah, Jury Duty is supposed to be good. I want to see that. Uh, this winter, I watched a show on Apple called Severance, which is really good, one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. And then the Righteous Gemstones is coming out with. I think it's their third season. I want to say this month. So uh, I guess I'm really looking forward to watching Danny McBride and that old crazy family uh, pick up their story here soon. Danny yeah, McBride I, is the funniest man on television, if you <laughs> ask me. Like him, Larry David. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Just <laughs> can do no wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was glad to see the curb curbs coming out. Uh, that Larry, the, the least for though it's supposedly going to end this year, but it always is supposedly going to end. So we'll see what happens. He did not die in the pool last year at the end for the curb watchers, but I'll uh, look forward to that. I, I would say as we talked earlier uh, on uh, Paramount, I, I was a Godfather watcher because I was my mom. I, my mom must have been hip. She took me that movie when she was when I was twelve. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say your mom was connected. No, well, that too. <laughs> she was a made uh, yeah. woman. She was a made woman. Always one of my biggest fears that I was going to wake up one day and be in the mob, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, though the, the, the one, the she one, was actually Connie. Yeah, yeah. The one uh, scene in Sicily that, if you watch the first, the, the first Godfather, that probably caught my mom a little bit by surprise at age twelve. But it was, it was a good show, and the horse, horse. Head. But I would watch uh, on Paramount. I, I thought that. Uh, uh the offer if you are a godfather watcher even though there's been some debate of how true all of it is interesting watch um and uh, well worth your time if you're into that uh, into that uh, film I, I am into it i had not watched i would maybe we'll go back and actually watch the godfather hadn't seen it in a while but uh michael corleone's still good man they're all they're all good so i said fredo we just switched so it's you know, I was amazed if Fredo did not have as big a role. I, I know he has a huge role uh, in Godfather Part Two, but uh, uh, not, not all that much in there. But uh, yeah, Fredo did not meet a good end, uh, as did most of those guys in that show. But guys, uh, at the end of the day, that's all we got. So I want to thank the Union Club Hotel. Thank Brian and Tom for chiming in we'll be back again uh probably in a couple of weeks but uh we appreciate uh, all of you for watching and listening in this mid-june uh time frame there'll be a lot more to report on keep keep eye on the site more basketball football recruiting to come certainly throughout the month of june as we get eight inch closer to the 2023-24 academic and athletic year so have a great weekend rest rest of your weekend everybody and thanks for watching list, listening make sure you subscribe to us also on youtube you can like us you can do whatever it takes so we appreciate all of you for uh tuning in so to speak so have a great rest of your weekend uh hey father's day deal Oh, fa oh yeah, Father's Day deal. It's not too late. On go on, uh, we are having a special gift offer. Good point. Go to the site there if you don't have a gift. Goldenblack.com. Yeah, goldenblack.com. If you have 
don't have a gift yet, uh, we do have a gift program and it's a heck of a deal. Make sure you check that out. You can check it out on Twitter as well because we'll be we'll be uh, promoting that. It, uh, it's literally there. an offer you can't refuse. Oh man, what a oh, he's tied it all together. That's perfect. That's why you make the big money, Fredo. So it's perfect. All right, guys. Have a, <laughs> I can have handle a great things. One. I'm smart. I'm I'm not dumb. <laughs> not like everybody says. I'm smart. And I want respect. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you just don't go out in the middle of the lake with your brother. But that's another story uh, altogether. All right, have a I good one, guys. I think he knew it was coming. Uh, I think he did, too. You uh, can see his kind of eyes drop when uh, the kid gets pulled away and he kind of understands that, that this is how it's going to be. And Yeah. I think he was kind of resigned to it. That's part two, my friends. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll have a good rest of your week. And on that note, uh, that's all we've got. And uh, we'll look forward to our next Saturday simulcast before long. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.